How you doing, saints? Good morning to you. How many was glad when they said, hey, let's go to the house of God. God's got something good today. Praise God. Amen. Hey, I'm going to give you my title right away. What's so exciting about baptism? That's the title. Look at somebody and tell them my title. What's so exciting about baptism? What is so exciting about baptism? Sometimes when you come to a baptism service, sometimes that's the thought, the predominant thought in the back of somebody's mind. What's so exciting about baptism? Well, we're going to talk this morning about what is so thrilling, what is so downright uh, exciting, invigorating about Holy Ghost baptism. Praise God. You know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are present at every baptism. Praise God. And God is going to move mightily by his uh, spirit, and we thank God for that. You have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. We're going to use our primary text here about the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch here in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 34. And read down to uh, the end of the chapter there. And then we'll come back. And I've got a video, a couple of videos I want you to see real quick. All right, we're in Acts chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm starting at verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told the good news about Jesus. Everybody say the good news about Jesus. Verse 36, and as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And uh, uh, verse 38, he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water, Philip uh, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And meanwhile, Philip found himself further north in the town of Azotus, and he preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Okay, I have a couple videos I want to start today and show you these two videos on funny videos about baptism. Let's start there. This morning, uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord and He will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. (laughs) And so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and because you desire to live a life that honors Him, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't. <laughs> 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 
Well, can you tell everybody your name? Janelle. And Janelle, why are you being baptized today? thought that we have such great baptisms around here. I thought you might want to laugh before. We're in Acts chapter 8, though, and we're talking about the importance of baptism. Baptism, as you know, is an ordinance of the church, something that was ordained, commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is baptism so important? Because Jesus said it was important. Baptism teaches us a vital Christian truth. Its value and its importance are timeless. They cross generationally. Jesus wanted the importance of baptism to be taught. And as the head of the church, he commanded that baptisms be done on a regular basis, that baptism be recognized in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is one in the Protestant church, is one of the two uh, predominant uh, ordinances. Uh, communion is, is the other one. But uh, the first reason that it's important is just because Jesus said so. Now, at home, when I was growing up, there were times my mom would want me to do something. My mom would tell me to do something. I'd say, what? What should I? What? Why? And then she'd look at me and say, Bill. And if she said that, I didn't ask no more questions. She, just because I said so. So there were some times. How many of you had some just because I said so moments with your mom or dad? <laughs> and only a fool would ask a question after mom or dad said, just because I said so. Uh, if he said it was important, it is important. He demonstrated baptism to the church as well. He was baptized himself, inaugurating his own ministry and demonstrating the importance of baptism. Baptism is important because Jesus taught it and demonstrated it, because we find occurrences of it in the book of Acts, and because in the epistles it's carried on and taught in the epistles. And those three reasons make baptism so important to you and I. Here in this story in Acts chapter 8, Philip has been preaching a mighty revival to the Samaritans, and the Bible says lots of folks got saved in uh, verse, uh, we don't have to turn there, but in, in verse 6 and um, and six through eight, you can see the result of the revival. People got born again. They got healed. They got saved. There was a mighty revival going on among the hated, quote unquote, Samaritans. And God was using uh, Philip mightily. And then the Lord calls him to leave a mighty revival full of people and go minister to one person. Do you know this? God is concerned about you 
as an individual. He, he sees you. He knows you. He sees what you're going through. God loves you. He loves us all corporately, yes, but he loves you individually. You are the apple of his eye. And he tells Philip, leave that revival and go to, to Gaza where many things are happening in Gaza and we need to continue to pray for Israel and, and pray for those uh, Christians who are in harm's way and, and uh, even those Palestinian Christians, who, people who have given their life. We need to continue to pray uh, for that situation and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. But on a Gaza road, God calls Philip to that area and tells him to go down on a Gaza desert road where there's no apparent water. And he says, there's one person I want you to minister to. When he gets to the desert road, he sees a chariot. There's nobody else on the road. He concludes, God wants me to go up to the chariot. And the Lord tells him, go up to that chariot. And when he starts walking alongside the chariot, he can hear the Ethiopian eunuch. He's an official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And Philip can hear the man. He's reading the Old Testament scriptures out of the book of Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I unless somebody comes and explains it to me? And the Bible says, starting with that scripture in Isaiah, Philip explains the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And right there in that chariot, that man comes to faith in Jesus Christ. I love uh, verse 37. If you could put... um, uh, uh, Acts 8:37 up for me in the New American Standard, if you would, because the New American Standard contains this verse. Philip said, "The, the, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch says, uh, I, 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 what, what, what prevents me from being baptized? Why can't I be baptized?'" And then uh, here's what Philip said: "If you believe with all your heart, you may." And he answered and said, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." And Philip stopped that chariot. And they went down into that water. Where did the water come from? They're in Gaza on a desert road. But they find that water and it's a pool of water and it's deep enough because Philip takes him down into the water and baptizes him, demonstrating the New Testament method of baptism. Now, I'm a, I'm a former old Catholic boy. And uh, man, as a, as a little Catholic boy, I was sprinkled as a baby. And so when I came to faith in Christ, May 1979, and understood what Christ had done for me, that Jesus was the Son of God, that God gave, sacrificed his son. He put the penalty of my sins on his son, and he allowed his son to be crucified and bludgeoned for my sins. And when I realized that I gave my life to Jesus, and I started contemplating what that meant, and you know what happened? I I wanted to get baptized. I knew I'd been sprinkled as a baby and that, that, was, that, that, that didn't have relevance or meaning to me. But then I saw the New Testament tradition of how to be baptized. Baptism means the word, the Greek word baptizo, it means to completely dunk or immerse. It doesn't mean uh, to sprinkle, it means to dunk or immerse. One time John Paul was saying something to me about a tie-dye shirt. And he thought that was so hip and cool. I said, oh man, that ain't nothing. We had that back in the 70s. We was tie-dyeing shirts back in the 70s, dude. <laughs> What'd you do? You, you got a white shirt and you twisted it up and you got a bucket full of dye and you dipped the shirt completely in the dye. You didn't sprinkle it, you dipped it in the dye. And then when you took it out, then you had, you know, your, your, tie-dye, uh, your tie-dye shirt. But baptism is so vitally important. And there are Christian truths that God does not want to be lost over time. So I briefly want to share three things that baptism should remind us of. Number one, 
Baptism should remind you and I, the first point is testify. Everybody say that with me. Help me with that. Testify. I'm going to give you my second point right now. It's identify. Say that with me. I'm going to give you my third point. It's glorify. We're talking about testify. What's the second one? Identify. What's the third one? Glorify. Let's talk about testify for a moment. Baptism gives us a chance to publicly testify as to the goodness of God. Baptism is our public testimonial that Christ has saved me. Christ has delivered me. Christ has set me free. It is through baptism when we come to be baptized and we obey Christ's commands in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he commanded us to be baptized. And when we come to baptism, we are saying to the world, I am no longer living for myself. I've accepted faith in Christ. I'm walking with Jesus and he has changed my life. To be baptized is to testify about the goodness of God. How many here are glad to be saved? How many of you are just glad to be born again? You're just thrilled to be born again? You know, that ought not ever get old. We ought to always be willing to testify as to the goodness of God. How many can remember what your life was like before you met Jesus? Oh man, you were a mess. Me too. Before we met Jesus, we needed a savior. Thank God. But baptism... It's the testimony of every Christian. It gives us the ability to publicly testify. Jesus said this, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. When I come in the glory of my Father with holy angels and the power of God, if you've been ashamed of me, Jesus said, I'll be ashamed of you. Baptism gives us the opportunity to publicly, to testify to the Lord's goodness. Over there in uh, Acts 8.25, it says, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. What were they doing? Part of what they they were doing, they were testifying. Look with me at at Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. Would you give me this in the Passion Translation? Colossians 2, 11 through 15 in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Verse 12, we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. 13. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've all been resurrected out of that realm, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He can't, listen now, he canceled out every legal violation we had on record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all our sins, uh, our stained uh, our, our, our soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. And then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. And he was not their prisoner. They were his. Oh, my. 
Did you read that with me? That our debts have been canceled. Our sins have not just been forgiven. They've been remitted. In other words, God is treating you and I because of the blood of Jesus like it never happened. When we get baptized, the first thing we need to act as if that water is the blood of Jesus, that we've been cleansed, that that's what happens to us. That's what has happened to us. Does baptism save anybody? Baptism doesn't save anybody. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, he said, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach. Paul didn't stick around for the baptisms. You know why? Somebody's trying to kill him. <laughs> he had to get out of Dodge. He preached the word and got out of town but somebody else did the baptisms. Baptism was nonetheless important. Paul wasn't decrying the importance of baptism, but he was simply saying, baptism is not what's saving anybody. It's the blood of Jesus. It's when somebody believes that Jesus is the son of God. It's when somebody comes to faith that Jesus has died personally for your sins and for my sins. It's when someone asks Christ to come into their life and into their heart and to change them. Oh my. And so baptism is our opportunity to testify. I've been born again by the blood. When you go down in the water, you're telling the world, I've been born again. You're telling the world, the blood has cleansed me. You're telling the world, I plead the blood. The blood has washed me and cleansed me and set me free. And the agent in the pool may just be water, but spiritually what happened when you got born again, it was the blood that was applied. And there's no powerful force than the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad for the day the blood washed you clean? Baptism is our opportunity to testify. I've been saved. I've been born again. I've been set free. I'm living a new life. The blood has washed me. It's a testimonial. Secondly, baptism. The second word. What was my second word? Identify, testify, secondly, identify. Baptism gives us an opportunity to identify with the finished work of Christ. Christ has done something for us. Christ has finished something for us and he expects you and I to take full advantage of it. But if we don't understand it, if we're not taught it, we can't take full advantage of it. You've heard me share before from this pulpit, my cruising experience. I love cruises. Tony and I love cruising. Oh man, we just signed up for Royal Caribbean has a brand new ship. It's not even out yet. Coming out January of 2024. We're going on the first sail, the Icon of the Seas. Yeah, going to be laid back with the gangster lean. No. I'll be somewhere, sun, somewhere in the sun. Oh, we love going on cruises. I think we've been on 11 cruises and uh, we always have a good time. It's always so relaxing. When I started out, you know, I, when I started out cruising, I didn't know then what I know today. When I go on cruises today, it's totally different. When I go on a cruise today, I take advantage of everything that I've already paid for. You know, I called Royal Caribbean not long ago. I said, listen, uh, when, when we get on the ship, now last year they gave us brand new terry cloth Royal Caribbean robes when we got on. We have a certain uh, uh, tier status in their reward program and they just get, and so the person said, oh, sir, we discontinued that. I'm so sorry. What we'll do is bring robes to your room. You can, you can just, we'll bring them by the room and you guys can just wear them for the cruise. We don't give them to you anymore at that level. I said, no problem. I got two of them robes in my closet right now, but just go on and bring it to the room anyway. 
I said, you know, my first cruising experience, they had, man, they had croissant sandwiches. They had bacon and cheese. The John Paul, Tony, man, they had these croissants. But we, you know, we'd already spent all that money on the cruise and we're on a budget. And I thought, let's just hold off because we're going to eat in two hours. We're already hungry. We've been out on an excursion somewhere all day long. Come back hungry. You got two hours till dinner. Somebody passes you with a croissant with bacon and ham and melted cheese. You could see the cheese melting as they go by. Now thinking, that's going to cost extra money. Rather than spend the extra money, we wait two hours on dinner. Did that on Sunday. Waited two hours on dinner, hungry. Went out somewhere else Monday, waited two hours on dinner. Hungry. Tuesday, people got cookies now. They got pizza. They got cookies. And you're walking past the restaurant that's making it all fresh. And, and you're thinking, no, better not do that. By Wednesday, you know what I said? Brother Bill said, we buying it. I went in there and said, I want one of them croissants and give us some croissants. And then I went to pay. And you know what they told me? You can't pay for this. You already paid for it. Comes in the cost of the ticket. I said, excuse me? They said, you already paid for it. I said, what about the pizza? They said, it's already been paid for. I said, what about the chocolate chip cookies? I said, they said, it's already been paid for. I said, they got hot chocolate up there. They said, sir, sir, everything, everything in here is free to you. You've already paid for it. I said, well, give me a croissant. Give me a chocolate chip cookie. I want a piece of pizza. I went by there every day and got something. <laughs> we went on cruise. Tony, I got on cruise ship. I said, girl, everything in there is free. Let me tell you right now. I cruise differently now. Why? I have more knowledge. And when you have knowledge of something, you can take advantage of that. And see, when I first started cruising, I didn't have that knowledge. I couldn't take advantage of that. I was going hungry when something had been bought and paid for. I was still going hungry. But the Bible said that Jesus gave his life. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus went to a cross on Calvary and bought and paid for our redemption and our redemptive realities. And for you and I not to take advantage of it. Oh. Identify. For us to identify with what Christ has done, listen, he had to first identify with you and I. If you would, give me Romans 8, 3 in the Passion Translation, and from there we'll go to Hebrews 2, 14, also in the Passion Translation. What's your point now? I'm saying with this point about identify, we couldn't identify with him if he hadn't first identified with us. This is Romans 8.3. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn guilt and the power of sin. Oh my It was God who reached out to you and I by becoming a human. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came out of eternity past. And because of God's love for you and I, he was able to identify with our humanity by becoming a human himself. And then the father allowed the penalty for sin to be placed completely on him, on his son. Now, if I had to give my son, I can tell you now, I have two great sons, and if I had to give my sons, I wouldn't give one of them. 
I love people. I help people any way I can. I give people a shirt off my back. But if, but if I had to sacrifice my son for somebody, one of my sons, I would not do it. Some people would, could debate that. I don't know. More power to you. I could just tell you, Brother Bill, if, if that ever happened, that question ever came up, you could know my answer, no. But God did it. God gave his only son. Look with me at uh, the scripture in Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Since all his children have flesh and blood, Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Oh, aren't you glad? God sent his son the son of God, he became a man and God put the price and the penalty for our sins on him, a spotless lamb. So God first identified with us so that we could then identify with him. Look at Romans 6, 3, Romans 6, 3, we'll read down through verse 8, Romans 6, 6, 3, we'll read down through verse 8, reading in the uh, New Living Translation now, Romans 6, 3, I'm going to read through verse 8. It says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in death for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was also raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father, now we also may live new lives. I'll stop there. Man, baptism identifies us with the finished work of Christ. Look over at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me do this. I'm going to save time. Go, go back with me. Go back with me to Romans 6.4. I want to read it from the Passion Translation. I can save us some time. Go back to me to Romans 6.4. We just read it in the New Living. Let me read it out of the Passion Translation. I want you to see something about identification. We're in Romans 6, 4, the Passion Translation. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were what? Co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Look, we've been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Did you hear what we just read there? The Bible is saying that when, when Christ, uh, when he died, then we died with him. In other words, when, when he was buried, you and I were buried with him. The scripture says here, I like it in the Passion Translation, says we were co-buried with him. When he was made alive, you and I, we were co-made alive with him. Oh, let's just keep reading for just a moment. Go with me now to Ephesians 2.6 in the Passion Translation. Ephesians 2.6 in the Passion Translation. We're talking about identification. We're talking about identification. Stay with me just for a moment. I want you to see it just in this light. What does baptism do? It gives us an opportunity to testify. We've been born again by the blood of Jesus. It gives us an opportunity to identify with all that Christ has done. Ephesians 2.6. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him. Everybody say ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Everybody say co-seated. Can you see a theme here? 
Listen, the scripture says we were buried with him. We read that when we read uh, Colossians 2, 12. When Christ was buried, we were buried. And then in Romans 6, 4, we read not only were we co-buried and co-entombed with him, but also we were co-raised with him and co-resurrected with him. And now the scripture says here in Ephesians 2, 6, we were co-seated with him. Baptism should be exciting to you whether you're getting baptized or not because baptism is a reminder of who you are and what you have in Christ and what God has done for you. And Christ not only died for us, he took us with him. And the Bible says in Colossians 2, 14, that he nailed all of our sins, every mistake. It was nailed to his cross. When he was nailed to the cross, every fault we have was nailed to that cross. And he paid the price for it and said, it is finished by the blood. Aren't you glad? And so we identify with his finished work because when he was crucified, we were crucified. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was made alive, we were made alive. When he was seated, wait a minute, he was seated in heavenly places. In, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are the body of Christ, and we are seated in a position of authority with him. And when you see people being baptized today, you ought to say, thank you, God. I'm seated. I'm seated. I'm the victor. I'm not a victim. I'm a winner. Jesus made me a winner, and I identify with his victory. And it really doesn't matter what you're going through. Christ has already won the victory. And from your seat, as people are being baptized, you need to be saying, hey, I'm thankful I've been baptized, but glory to God, when he was raised, I was raised. When he was seated, I was seated. I'm going to use my authority. And whatever it is that's coming against you, use the word. Use your authority. Use the blood. Use the power of the, of the, of, of the holy word of God. We are to identify. We testify and we identify. I want to pause and let all of our baptismal candidates slip out now. I want you to go and I want you to get ready and you may be here and maybe you haven't heard baptism explained like this and maybe you've never been baptized, but you're a Christian and you want to be baptized and you can slip out right with them. We've got some scrubs and uh, uh, some clothing for you to to borrow and uh, let's give all these folks a big hand that are going to get baptized here. You say, I just came in. I don't know nothing about it. I don't know anything about it. I just came in. And uh, that's okay. We've got clothing for you to wear. And, and, and upon the profession of your faith, you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins. You can be baptized right here today on the spot. Glory to God. Philip was baptized right there on the spot. They were in a chariot riding in the desert. And God provided some water. Well, this morning, God has provided some more water. Thank God. And, and the Hagans provided the heat in the water. <laughs> and on a cold day, that's a blessing. <laughs> but listen, uh, so if you need to slip out and get ready, get yourself ready and slip out. Uh, but as you're, as you're going out, you might be in the hall walking. I want you to remember, when you go down, I want you, when you go down in that water, I want you to remember that when you got born again, God immersed you in the blood of Jesus just like that. And when you came up, you were brand new. God has made us. We're not just a, uh, you know, a reorganized person, a reorganized spirit. No, listen, we've been recreated. We're a, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says we are brand new creature on the inside. Glory be to God. And so baptism is our opportunity to testify, 
to the goodness of God. God has saved us. God has delivered us. God has set us free. Baptism is our opportunity to identify. We identify with Christ, with his finished work on the cross. Oh, man, to go with Jesus. You know, uh, whenever the Eagles play this weekend, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm surrounded by Cowboys fans. Oh, man, my two sons. and Oh, man, everybody I know is a Cowboys fan. Oh, brother. I got a Jalen Hurts jersey. I'm going to put on my jersey when the Eagles play, you know. But whoever wins the Super Bowl, do you know they never share the victory? Baptism should remind you and I that Jesus is the only one. He's the only champion who's ever shared the victory. It doesn't matter who wins the Super Bowl. The people never get a dime. The players get the dime. The players, they go to Disney World and they get all the accolades and the rings and the trophy and they get all of that. The people who cheered for them, spent all the money, don't get a dime. They don't get a red cent. They don't give you a jersey. I was in Philly recently, had a Philly cheesesteak. They don't even give you a Philly cheesesteak for free. A brother can't even get a Philly cheesesteak. You don't get anything when your team wins. You don't get anything. But Jesus is the only champion that when he went to the cross, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he took his authority and transferred it to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, and when we see people getting baptized, it ought to remind us his victory is my victory. Glory be to God. He's a victorious champion and we are victorious champions in him. (laughs) We identify. Thirdly, we glorify. Testify, identify, glorify. Look at, with, with me at Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30 in, uh, in the New Living Translation. We get to, our, our, our job when we've been baptized is to spend our lives glorifying God. It's to spend our lives bringing glory and honor to the Lord. And the scripture says here in uh, Ephesians 4.30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander and as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Baptism should remind you and I that we are to spend our lives glorifying God. And where the Holy Spirit tells you and I to make an adjustment. And when the service of baptism begins here and people begin to get baptized, the Holy Ghost gets to moving. But he's not just moving among the candidates who are being baptized. Listen to me now. He's going to move among you. And as he gives you an adjustment or says something to you, be listening. Sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to pay attention. No, pay attention. Be be sensitive to him. Let him speak to your heart if he so desires. Baptism is an opportunity to glorify the Lord. Look at Colossians 3.10. At Colossians 3.10. Our lives, once we we realize, we, we testify, we identify Oh man, now we have to glorify God with our lives. In Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Oh yeah. 
God calls us to a different life. God calls us to a different lifestyle. And our life is to glorify him. And finally, Galatians 2.20. Look over at Galatians 2.20 with me. Our lives are to be spent glorifying God. Baptism reminds us that we are not our own. We are identified with Christ. In Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote these words. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, man. Baptism calls you and I to reminder and to remembrance that our lives are to reflect Jesus and that our lives are to glorify him. We are to spend our lives glorifying him. My friend, as I wrap up this message now, I want to say really three things to our baptismal candidates. And again, it's not too late for you. Listen, when you go into that water, go down believing. Go down believing everything that God said about you and everything that God has done for you. Go down believing. Come up expecting. Expect that everything that God has provided for you, that you can walk in that. You can walk in the newness of life. Go down believing, come up expecting, and then go your way rejoicing. Baptism is a time for great rejoicing. And in the scriptures, when someone got baptized, it was always an opportunity for great rejoicing among God's people. And so rejoice with those whose lives have been changed because that is something that nobody can take from you. Nobody can challenge the fact that Christ has changed your life. People can debate about God all they want. Falsely, they can debate about God. But, but, but one thing people cannot do is they cannot challenge the fact that Jesus has changed another life in you. And when you stand ready to share with people the goodness of God as he's been to you, oh my, your testimony, your identity with Christ, and your glorifying him will make all the difference in someone else coming to him. If you bow your heads, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace to us. Father, we honor you and bless you with all of our hearts and minds. Now, as we've shared this word, there may be somebody here under the sound of my voice. There may be somebody listening uh, through some other venue, watching through some other stream. And you may not be certain of your eternity. Can I say this to you, my friend? You're going to spend eternity somewhere. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And I just want to give you an opportunity. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, or if you were to die tonight and yet you don't know what would happen to you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you don't know what would happen to you. I want you to lift your hand and let me pray for you. Usher, stand and help me real quick. Everybody else's head is bowed. Is there anybody in here? You don't know what would happen to you tonight if you died. You don't know if you'd go to heaven or not. Raise your hand and let me pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you may be here and you may be saying, look, I thank you. You may be saying, look, I, 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 I gave my life to Christ, but I haven't been living for Christ and I want to make it right. I want to make it right. Let me see your hand. I want to get right. I, I want to identify with Christ what he's done for me. I want to make it right. I'm not living right. I know I'm not living right. I want to fix this now. I want to, I, I, Jesus said this in, in Luke 9, if you're ashamed of me, when I come in the glory of my father with holy angels, I'll be ashamed of you. Let me see your hand. You say, I'm not living right. Thank you. I'm not living right. I want to make that right. 
And if you're here on either of those altar calls, I want you just to stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet right now. God loves you. God cares for you. God sees you. I want you to come right down to the front. Meet me right down here. I'm going to do just what I said. I'm going to pray for you. Get out of your seat. Come right down here. I'm going to pray for you in Jesus' name. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Just come right down here. Come on. Thanks. You're praying. Come on. Come right on down here. That's right. Just come all the way down here. Just come all the way down here. Come on, who wants to join this man? The altar is still open. Come on, come on, be bold. Be bold, just come on. Let God touch you today. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. Come on, who wants to join these two guys? Come on, let Christ change your life today. Let Christ help you. He's tugging at your heart. Listen to him. You're watching right now. And God's dealing with you. God's tugging at your heart. Listen, respond to the Lord. Pray this prayer with us that we're going to pray in a moment. Come on, the altar is still open. Anybody else want to come? Anybody else want to come now? I want you guys to just lift one hand to the Lord. You're not coming to a man. You're coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. I'm going to say a prayer out loud and just want you to repeat that prayer from your heart out loud. Is that okay? Let's pray together. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I give you my heart. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I acknowledge that he died on the cross for my sins personally. And I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, make me the person you want me to be. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Let's give these guys a big hand.